And it made me think of an old comic strip. Do you remember the old comic strip Calvin and Hobbes? Right? Uh, it follows the imaginary uh, adventures of six-year-old Calvin and his stuffed tiger. And in this one cartoon, Calvin claims to be a natural and decisive leader. Well, you can take a look, for it, look at it yourself. In that first panel, he's like, I'm the decisive, take-charge type. I'm a natural leader. And immediately he demonstrates it by saying, see, we're going to go this way. To which Hobbes goes, have fun, and goes the other direction. And there in the muck and the mire of a little swamp, Calvin is musing, the problem is nobody wants to go where I want to lead them. (laughs) Calvin, if you've ever tried to lead anybody, Calvin has discovered the challenge of leadership, right? You need people to follow you. And I think this this comic strip illustrates how we often look at people in our world. You are either a leader or you're a follower, right? You remember that old, uh, that old phrase, lead, follow, or what? Get out of the way, right? The world says you're only useful if you do one or the other. You're only as useful as the role you can play. You can take that down now. Um, perhaps you've experienced, thank you, uh, perhaps you've experienced this in life. I don't know, you might feel undervalued or your skills underutilized in your job. Or perhaps you've joined a sports team, but the only time you get off the bench and in the game is when somebody's either exhausted or injured, right? Or you have something to say, but nobody to listen. These are all unsatisfying experiences. No one wants to be utilitarian, a mere cog in a giant wheel, right? And that's what makes what Jesus is calling us to, what God calls us to, so incredible. Jesus invites you to something completely different from what the world says. If the world, and the world says, lead, follow, or get out of the way, he actually invites you to get in the way, to follow him, and to lead others. Let me tell you what I, let me show you what I mean. Jesus invites every person, he invites you to enter into and live with him in a relationship that he offers. He quite literally is saying to you, get in the way, get in my way. In John 14, Jesus will say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father except through me. See, Jesus' call for you to follow him is a, is, is, or a call to come engage him in a relationship and to follow him is because it's absolutely necessary for our life, for our future to do that. Not only that does he call you to get in his way, but the way he demonstrates this, the way he, uh, ne- he uh, invites you is to follow him and to be with him in relationship. And the call to our neighbor, the Great Commission, right, to make disciples of other people, is his call for us to lead. In Christ, you are both follower and leader. You are both. And I wonder this morning, what holds you back from answering God's call to be both follower of him and leader of others? 
Maybe you think that following Jesus uh, fully, or following Jesus all perhaps, will just cost you too much. Or perhaps you're not sure where it will take you, and so you don't really want to start until you get the whole picture in mind, right? Or, or you might think that you don't have what it takes to tell others about Jesus, to call out to your neighbor and invite them to come and find Jesus. And so I want you to think about this question. What holds you back from answering God's call as we look at our passage this morning? And the first thing I want you to notice in this passage is this, that following Jesus is the fundamental characteristic of every Christian. In verse 43, we see this, we read this. Jesus found Philip and said, follow me. First and foremost, Philip is called to be a follower. First and foremost, above all, he is called to follow Jesus. To be a disciple, you must be willing to enter in to the relationship that Jesus enables and establishes it. Every Christian starts the very same way by stepping into relationship in the very beginning. And here's what's interesting. Jesus doesn't actually ask you any more at the start of your relationship with him than this, that you would simply follow him. That's because discipleship doesn't begin with an abundance of answers or an abundance of well-thought-out convictions, but instead an abundance of desire. Deep in our heart, the thing that we need most in our life of discipleship is a desire to be with Jesus. That's why uh, one of uh, my professors, Rod Whitaker, wrote this. He said, the crucial issue in discipleship, the crucial issue in discipleship is not whether you are mature, but whether you desire to come and see Jesus. And then once you've come and seen him, to abide in his presence which is the only source of eternal life and the only source of growth in grace and truth. You have to desire him above all else. And I wonder, what do you desire? I mean, it may be this, but I'm not really speaking of this. I'm not talking about bigger boats or a newer house or perhaps even a better grade on that test you took on Friday. But deep down inside, the things that you desire deep in your heart, the things that you long for, all of those things are only met in Jesus. And at the very beginning, and sometimes in the middle of our Christian life, we don't naturally desire God. But we desire the things that he offers, right? We want peace. We want love. The reality is that he loves you Perfectly, He loves you selflessly and sacrificially. And he alone provides real and abundant and eternal life to you. The things you most readily need in life and in death, he alone offers. And he wants you to be with him. Hear this. Jesus wants you to be with him. So much so that he gave up, he, he shed his divine identity, his rightful place. He's still, he's still God. But he, he, he sheds his rightful place at the right hand of the Father so that he can come down and take on our human form so that you can be with him. 
Isn't that remarkable? This is the good news and the grace of God. He wants you to be with him. Being with him and abiding in him is the only way you have eternal life and the only way you grow. Jesus' call is to follow him, not because he needs you, because you need him and he loves you. The second thing I want you to notice is this, is that for Philip, right, the one who Jesus walked up to and said, follow me, leadership comes naturally. Now, obviously, we know that Philip said yes to Jesus. Not only is he recorded as one of Jesus' inner circle, right, the 12, but in the very next verse, we find him leading other people to Jesus. And so immediately what we find is that Philip illustrates the second call of God on our lives, to go to our neighbors and to call them. Philip illustrates this second part of the call of God. And he goes and finds Nathanael and he says to him, we've found the one we've been looking for. The one Moses talks about, the one the prophets talk about. He is Jesus of Nazareth, Joseph's son, right? What John is doing here at the very beginning of his gospel in the first chapter is saying this is not only is sharing Jesus important, not only is Jesus' commission, uh, does he commission his disciples to go and make disciples of other people, right, of the whole world, but Philip shows us that the natural response to the good news of hearing and meeting Jesus and following Jesus is to find somebody else and tell them, right? I mean, you found Jesus, you found forgiveness, you found love, you found the Savior of the whole world, and your natural response is to go find somebody else and tell them the good news of what you found. And go, hey, I'd like to come and you should meet this guy. In short, the natural response when we find this good news for our life is to lead others to him. Now, for some of you, I know what you're thinking. This last bit sounds a little bit intimidating. You'll say, well, well, Trevor, I am not called to be an evangelist. Okay, that's not my call. But here's the deal, all right? I hate to break it to you. That is your call. It's absolutely our call. The whole scripture, Jesus' whole preparation of the disciples from this point until he ascends to be with the Father is to prepare them to go and make disciples of other people. Every one of us is called to this. Now, if that continues to raise your anxiety just a little bit, I'd like to make one simple point in order to alleviate that. At this moment, when Philip goes to Nathaniel, right, his leadership is pretty basic, right? I mean, he's not a guy waxing eloquent for 30 minutes in a sermon in his invitation to Nathaniel. Don't worry, this is not going to be a 30-minute sermon. Um, we'll get you out of here. But he, he doesn't wax eloquent for a long period of time. In fact, uh, Philip's not even willing to answer Nathaniel's one question, right? The one question is, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And Philip goes, well, you'll just have to come and see. Um, I don't know the answer. I'm just going to skate over here and just look, come meet Jesus. You'll be okay. And that brings us to his invitation to come and see and in fact, Nathaniel accepts it, right? And he comes and sees Jesus. And we, we now read this section about his initial encounter. And in this encounter, I want you to notice four things about Christian disciples, all right? There are four things here. There are other characteristics of Christian disciples, but I want to notice the four that we see here. 
because they help to uh, they help to bring down the barriers of answering God's call to both follow Him and to share Him with others. Nathaniel, the one who Philip goes and finds and brings to Jesus to come and see, has four qualities. Are you ready? Here they are. He doubts, he desires, he declares, and he's destined. Now those are all D words. So if you're going to keep score at home, you may want to text those four to you uh, yourself. So you can remember, he doubts, he desires, he declares, and he's destined. So the first thing that we learn about Christian discipleship, we learn about discipleship, is this, is that a disciple can have doubts. This is incredibly good news. Not that I want you to be encouraged to doubt today. That's not what I'm here to do. I, mean, I want to encourage you to have faith in Jesus. But the real, I want you to be honest about who we are in our hearts who we are in our minds, who we are when we listen to a sermon, who we are when we read the scriptures, who we are when we decide what to do with our time and our money and our life. We have questions. We have doubts. In verse 45 and 46, Philip says, we found him. He's Jesus of Nazareth. To which Nathanael responds a little dismissively, maybe even a little sarcastically. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? In a moment, Jesus will say that Nathanael is a true Israelite. And that means that it must certainly include, if he's a true Israelite, if he's a true, faithful Jewish man, that he's looking for the coming of the Messiah. And so when he asks, does anything good, could anything good come out of Nazareth? I think it's less sassy and cynical and more genuine. Because if he's looking for the Messiah, he might know that the Messiah is going to be born in Bethlehem, right? But all of a sudden, this Nazareth thing comes along. He goes, oh, well, could anything good come out of Nazareth? He's got a doubt. Now, this is vitally important because we all have doubts, especially if you're at the beginning of your Christian journey or you're thinking about following him, but even when you're in the middle of it. And let me say this as clearly as possible. It is okay for you to doubt. The important thing is to not let your doubt stop you from coming and seeing Jesus. Not let you, doesn't stop you from following him. And see, the difference between Nathaniel and the other Israelites, the other Israelites are those who reject, would later reject Jesus, right? And crucify him, right? The Jews rejected Jesus. The, the, the Jewish people did. The difference between Nathaniel and the other Israelites is they let their doubts prevent them from seeing and knowing Jesus. So when Philip invites Nathaniel, despite his question, despite his doubts to come and see, he's actually inviting him into a relationship that will lead to life. A disciple can't have doubts, but it's entering into the relationship so that we can see Jesus, we can listen to him, we can learn from him. The second thing we learn from Nathaniel is this, that a disciple, a disciple desires. Nathaniel desires to find the Messiah. He wants to find the Savior. He wants to see God's kingdom established. And I wondered for you, what is it that you desire? I mean, throughout this last year, maybe even throughout the last couple of weeks, in our country, in our culture, in our health. You might desire for things to be made right. You might desire for people to be healed and healthy. You might desire justice to prevail or even simply for peace to reign. And you might want that for our 
world or for our country, you might want it for your home. You might need that and desire that in the relationships in your household. You have a desire. You too are looking for something and desiring something. And friends, that desire is right. It's what makes us long for a Savior. Makes us long for things to be corrected and praise God that He sends His Son into the world to correct them. When Jesus states that Nathanael is an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit, the word that is translated no deceit is really about his internal character. The word is dalos, means he's honest and clear-sighted, one who seeks God, kind of someone who seeks God before all else. He has a desire, and his distinguishing feature is that he's actually willing to act on that desire to come and see Jesus Friends, having doubts, having unmet desire will lead you to encounter Jesus. And that's exactly what happens. The third thing we see about Nathaniel is that he declares. He declares Jesus as the Son of God and his King. And all I want to point out here is, isn't that what we all have to do? Don't we all have to come up to Jesus and declare him actually the King of our heart? Right? And to declare that we have faith in him? Because sin and self-righteousness, our deep-seated determination to be our own leader, right? Your own king has left you empty. It's left you in the swamp like Calvin, mucking around in the mire and dirt. A true disciple is willing to enter into relationship and declares Jesus king of your life. Then finally, a disciple is destined. This is so full of hope, friends. Jesus affirms Nathaniel's declaration... And he basically says, you know what, you're right. I am son of God. I am king of Israel. And you will see greater things than these. Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the son of man. I mean, here he is seeing Jesus, the son of God. But eventually he's going to see the veil broken between heaven and earth. He's going to see the opportunity to to basically ascend and descend with the angels. That's the promise of the new heaven and the new earth. You will see greater things if you enter into this relationship. Despite your doubts and because of your desires, you declare him king and Jesus will on the journey show you more. You will discover that you are destined for more. Maybe that's your third D. Right or they're 50, excuse me. I can't keep count. The true disciple actually discovers more. More about themselves, more about Jesus, more about our world, more about his kingdom. At this point, Nathaniel doesn't really understand all these things, but he's gonna. He doesn't know what it's gonna be like to see greater things. And that's because it takes a lifetime with Jesus. A lifetime listening to Jesus. A lifetime learning from Jesus and obeying him to fully grasp the beauty of the kingdom of God. The wonder of the kingdom of God. The depth of his grace for you. It takes a lifetime. Uh, missionary, uh, there's a missionary uh, named, couple named Jim and Elizabeth Elliot. Uh, Jim was killed in the mission field and his wife wrote a book. And in it she says this, One does not surrender life in an instant. 
that which is lifelong can only be surrendered in a lifetime. Nor is surrender to the will of God adequate to fullness of power in Christ. Maturity is the accomplishment of years. And I can only surrender to the will of God, to the call of God, as long as I know what that will is. Basically, we come to know the fullness of God's desire for us, His will for us, His power for us, His redemption of us over a lifetime that begins by following Jesus. And that's the call. Will you follow Him? And Jesus makes this call numerous times throughout the scriptures in various ways. One of our favorites that is the basis of our, uh, our, our church together is Mark 1.17 where Jesus says, Follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. Jesus will transform you. He will make you into the woman or man or young man or young woman that he desires. When you follow him, he will do the work because he's what matters. Because you have him, you will be able to accomplish all that he calls you to. So, what holds you back from answering God's call? My experience is one of two things. When it comes to the call to follow Jesus, the thing that holds most of us back is that I, uh, I haven't gotten my act together. I just haven't done it. And praise God that mercifully he, he receives us before we ever have our act together. Right? He didn't ask Nathaniel or Philip or any other the other disciples to kind of give the tenets of the faith. To, you know, he didn't give them a catechism or something. He just said, follow me. And as they followed him, he made them into his disciples. That's the one thing that holds most of us back. The second part of God's call, the call to others, is that I don't have what it takes. That's the most common objection. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to answer the question when somebody goes, does anything good come out of Nazareth? And the response is, just come and see Jesus. Come to the church. Come to my life group. Come and read your Bible with us. You know, come and sit on my back porch. Just start by engaging and entering into relationship. So this morning, I think that there are three next steps potentially for you. There are probably more, but I only want to point out three. The first is this. If you may need to answer the call of God to follow him. Maybe you've been hanging around him. You've you never actually decided to follow him. You've let your doubts or you've begun to trust in something else or you've always trusted in something else other than God, and deep down inside your hope is in them and you know that your hope is empty. And the invitation to you this morning, the call to you, the grace of God for you is this, to come and see. Come and enter into the relationship he offers. And come and declare him king of your life. Every Christian life begins there. For others, the next step may be actually just to draw close to Jesus, either for the first time or again. And to abide in him so that you can actually see him and learn from him. You are already God's child. You put your trust in him. But you still have a ton to learn from him. 
And friends, if you are not in an active, ongoing relationship with Jesus and with others in this, with his church, if you're not looking to Jesus' example, if you're not reading and rereading the beauty of the scriptures, you just won't know how to live. You won't know how to live for him. And so maybe that's your next step. And finally, some of you, your next step is to obey his call and his command to tell others. To take the good news to your neighbor. To enter into that second part of the call. Your call to others. Now, I just want to invite you for a second just to close your eyes. Close your eyes for a minute and to think about those who might be your neighbor who need the grace of God, who need love and redemption and forgiveness, who need comfort and peace. You know who they are. Some of them are on your street. Some of them might be in your workplace or your school. Some of them might be in your family. These are the people that God wants you to invite to come and see him. Come and enter into relationship with him. And I wonder this morning, what will your next step be? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the image of these uh, friends and neighbors. Thank you for uh, your word that shows us that you come and desire to be with us and for us to be with you. Lord, I pray that your spirit would prompt us to follow you, to abide in you, to grow in you. And it would also prompt us to tell others about you so that they might know your grace and your love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.